I remember I went down and was preaching there, a big service. There were over 3,000 in attendance. It was not the largest group I'd ever preached to. I preached over 5,000 one time. But there were over 3,000 laity of South Carolina gathered. And I remember we went through all the ceremony and got to the point. And as I was walking up to the pulpit to preach, a man in the first row fell over, was having a heart attack. And I paused and I said, can we help them? And they all started rushing over. We had some doctors in attendance, of course, and nurses, and they were tending to them. And everyone is kind of looking, and I'm saying, let's pray. And then 3,000 people broke out into small groups, circles. Some got on their knees, others held hands, and everybody prayed. And they were all praying in small groups as the man was being tended to. And I was going from group to group, uh, praying along with them and after he was tended to and they took him away in the ambulance uh, they all went back to the seats and I went up and I preached and I don't remember what I said but it had 3,000 people on fire <laughs> the man lived we got word by the end of the service that he was going to be fine he had had a heart attack and he was tended to in a proper way and I remember I told my mother this and my father and they said well God put you there Jerome and I said well, he must have because I don't know what I said, but it was what he wanted me to say. Today we're going to look at how Peter preached. Peter was a sermon man. He was a preacher's preacher, being the first, as we know, the father of the church, considered the pope of the church. Peter, Cephas, of course, the rock upon which the church is built. If you'll turn in your scripture to Acts, the 10th chapter, realize Acts is part of Luke. They were all one scroll, and then they divided and put Acts, John, and then, or Luke, John, Acts. So Acts is written by Luke, and in the 10th chapter, we read this historic account of Peter's sermon of the good news in the 10th chapter, the 34th verse. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were opposed or oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We are witness to all that he did both in Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we pray, let us know that our prayers are being heard by the almighty God, our Father in heaven, and our prayers are being handled by the love and redemption of his Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus and those prayers are acted upon by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, that works in our life every single moment that we are walking this earth. Lord, bless us that we may grow in grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Peter 
was a fisherman. He was the head fisherman of a company of fishermen around the Sea of Galilee. Of course, Andrew, his brother, was the first called to be a disciple and ran to Peter, Cephas, and told him that he had found the Messiah. The people of that day were looking for a Messiah, a Savior. The reason is the world was hard. It was a bad place to be in the world under the Roman dominion. It was a bad time to be alive when life expectancy was very short with violence and disease and all the sorrows of that ancient day. And so Peter is a man just trying to make a living with his family around this sea and Jesus calls him. So he takes this common man, this ordinary man, and allows him to become an extraordinary man, the preacher of the gospel. Just like that day when I was cast into that situation. I did not try to take that situation as something for me to control, but I allowed God to control. And God formed a ministry in the midst of the chaos of that moment. The more we grow in grace and the more we grow in likeness of Christ, the more we allow God to be in control. This past week, we have seen God being in control, and it's only by God's grace that we now have seen the world even change course in a matter of days. See, Peter is preaching a gospel of good news. Not of bad news, not of sad news, but of good news. And good news is just that. It's good. It's news that we need to hear. It's news that we want to hear. God wants us to hear this good news. So Peter, as all preachers do, he began to speak to them. Um, Hannah's going to be taking more classes in seminary this semester at Duke and she'll start to take more of the preaching areas uh, and she was telling me that her just professor uh, even this week that she started back she said that her preacher or just her professor sounded like me and I told her well that must be a smart uh, you know professor she said uh, well not really it wasn't that it was that he started preaching and uh, I said, yeah, I have preached at you your whole life. Well, Peter was a preacher, and he's preaching the gospel, and he says, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. Notice how he starts his sermon, not about God, but about us, and how God responds and treats us, how God sees us. See, God sees us all as God would see us. See, understand, God is an infinite God. God is an all-powerful God. God knows all possibilities, infinite possibilities. God knows every path we can possibly take. He knows every course the universe will make. He knows every uh, uh, orbit of every planet. God knows everything. So when he sees us, he sees within us hope. He sees within us Peace, he sees within us also war, and he sees within us hate. Yet even seeing all these things, God doesn't hold it against us. He shows no partiality. We show partiality each and every day. We judge and prejudge. This book that we're going to be studying, it's about that, isn't it, Ms. McAlilly? My Lord, that's a heavy book. You start to read that book, and it's like eating a big meal. It's just... Uh, It'll, it'll, it'll get you right in your heart because you're thinking, well, well I'm guilty. I, I don't know how amazing grace is. I've been taking it for granted. See, Peter is starting out to help us to understand this isn't just a story. This is our story. And God starts out the story 
going, you know what? I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to look at you for who you are and who I am. And together we'll find a solution. See, that's the good news. The good news is for all people. Those people in Iran don't want to fight. They live underneath the sun. They don't want to die. We live in a world that is just so divided and so broken. We try to fix it, but we can't. So Peter, he starts out the sermon, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. See, God knows we're all in the same boat. He knows we are mortal beings walking upon an earth, but he also knows we are so much more than we could ever imagine. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now, now this is an older term that the even, even my generation, we didn't really hear a lot about it. My daddy would preach every now and then about fearing God. Sisters and brothers, we are called to be God-fearers. What does it mean to fear God? Well, fear's been made into a bad word in our culture. We think fear is a negative instead of realizing what fear is. Fear is a response. It's a fight-or-flight syndrome we each have. Fear is knowing something is happening and we take steps in one way or another to avoid it or to confront the situation. See, God has called us to know that he is creator God, he is redeemer God, he is sustainer God. And somehow it crept into our theology that God was our best friend, our best buddy. God was okay. There's even a thing that God texts me or something, some TV show, <laughs> that God's going to be using text. No, no, God doesn't use text. God uses a simple whisper of the wind, and sometimes God uses a clap of thunder, and sometimes God wakes you up. See, our God is an awesome God. I fear God. Because I know he is all-powerful. I know what he can do. He can conquer sin. He can conquer death. He has through his son Jesus. Our God is awesome. He is wonderful. I truly understand he doesn't show partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So notice what Peter's doing in his sermon. He's saying people... This isn't about God. God doesn't change. God does not change. It's about us. This good news is not for God's ears because he is good news. It's about our ears. What do we need to do? How do we need to live our life? And Peter's preaching this sermon to these people and he's doing it in a way that's opening up their hearts that they're growing in grace. See, God is reaching out and saying to people, you need to know the nature of my love and my love demands you respect my sacrifice. And he says, you know the message he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ he is Lord of all. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Lord of Lords. Jesus brings about hope when there's hopelessness. He brings about love when there's hate. He brings about light when there's darkness. Jesus brings about possibilities when there seems there are none. 
Jesus is everything he, to me. He is my hope and my salvation. I turn to Christ and Christ alone as the one will help me through the weary moments of life. Jesus is what allows me to say goodbye and to say hello. Jesus is what uh, gives me and his relationship with me the hope that I have on that day when I preached to that crowd uh, that they were worried they were crying the man was dying and they were gathered in circles and here I am this young pastor cast in a role and mine wasn't to just somehow take control or to manage it my role was to connect all the pieces together that must be what I preached God didn't just put us here to be here. We're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. I know it's hard. I sat for four straight days in a chair by my father while he died in a hospice room. Took the few breaks I did and me and my brother sat by his side and watched him as he kept reaching out and reaching out and, and, and he was reaching out and he was getting closer to the other side and the only thing that could give me hope was knowing that my God loves me. That's the only thing that could give me hope. And a year before, I was there with my mother as she passed. Life is hard. Life is a challenge. Peter knows that. He's preaching the gospel to a people who are broken, who are hurting. He's saying to them, if you love God and you fear God and you live in this nature of the peace of Christ, he is the Lord of you and your life. This message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Did you see the news last week, John? Did you see the news? Uh, somebody in Florida um, has been selling tickets to heaven, golden tickets, $99 each. Yeah. The police called them. They were selling them for $99 each to present it to St. Peter, St. Peter at the gate. <laughs> um, and they called him, they put him in jail, and guess how much money they had in the bank? $14,000. Now, I can't do the math on that. 99 by 14,000. Do y'all know it's that? I don't know what that is. And Miss Kathy, you know how many people bought tickets thinking they were going to go to heaven? How many? 1,400? That's 1,400 people that I just, I can't believe they're that dumb. I'm sorry to say it. I'm glad they want to go to heaven, but that's not how you do it. That's not the gospel being preached. That's a flim flam. One of my favorite movies was George C. Scott when I was a boy called The Flim Flam Man. Now he traveled around the south and he would pull tricks on people and he would find ways to get them out of their coin and out of their dollar as people are doing today. In fact, we're not sure, but Leona, she had a purse that was coming in uh, from Hannah, had ordered it through Amazon, and it got delivered, uh, and somebody took it out the mailbox last Sunday. It got delivered during church. Why is the Postal Service delivering mail during church? To a preacher of all people? (laughs) 
People are a mess, aren't they? Uh, it's just, how would they know it? I still can't figure it out. I looked at the camera and I can't catch the thief. I don't know who it is. But I want them to know they better hope that purse is worth it. Of course, Amazon, they hide it in the website. You can go down and get another one reshipped, and it's being reshipped. And believe me, we're going to watch like a hawk this time. What, what, what are these people hoping to gain? Don't they know that this simple little action can have eternal consequences? This first of the year, right? First part of the year. I might as well go and share to you a little secret I've been working on. I finally figured out why hell exists. Took me a long time to crack that nut. It was so hard to figure it out theologically. How in the world could there be a heaven with so much love and forgiveness and grace? And how could there be a place that's unstoppable, unquenchable with fire? How can hell exist? I'm a Methodist, by the way. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not a hard man. I'm an easy man. I believe in grace. But I do know Jesus said it exists, and I believe Jesus because he's Lord and I'm not. And he says it exists. How can it exist? Well, the reason it can exist is that what we do here puts us either in heaven or puts us in hell. Notice I pointed at the choir when I said heaven, and I pointed at this empty wall when I said hell, because none of y'all are going. And you children don't use that word because you'll get your mouth washed out with soap. Don't be using a word like that. Hear it too much. But I'm not talking about any, you know, just expression. I'm speaking about an actual place that, that God is populating heaven with the children of the light and the children of the darkness who belong to this devil that's mentioned here is the Lord of hell. And guess what that means? That means the unstoppable force, which is heaven, is going to meet the unmovable object, which is hell. In the coming age where there is heaven and there is hell, there will be a cosmic battle that will take place between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. And then at that point, the devil will be cast down, according to Revelation and John, into the pit. So we're being prepared, made to be warriors of the light, to fight against evil. And the thing that puts a person into that bad place is potentially stealing a purse out of a mailbox. And people just don't know it. They're so silly. They just don't know it. Three armed robbers hit this Dollar General Saturday last night. Came in, stole the catch register and the money out the safe. not going to do them any good they are oppressed by the devil but God is with us who are the children of the light by the way what I just shared with you is a revelation that has been coming to me over the years as I've been working through the ideas and I think at these end times that Jesus is revealing great truths now through his people to tell to others so we can know what this is all about Because these bad guys are going to be faced by us good guys. See, we are witnesses, he says, to all that he did both in Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on the tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses. Notice in this scripture, he's describing the wonderful 
and awesome atonement of Jesus dying on the cross to take away our sins. See, Peter now is into the heart of his sermon. He's describing to these people how Jesus has died for you. God doesn't show partiality, but God is the judgment. Understand, God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there is judgment, and there is judgment coming. It's like Dr. Gautam used to say in economics and Methodist, there's no free lunch. Evil will not be allowed to happen. God will make everyone who does evil pay. There will be punishment. And now we know why there's punishment, and we know what's going to happen in the punishment. And imagine that battle that's going to be when the forces of darkness and the forces of light come against each other and that eternal possibility. And out of the midst of that, the one thing that will win the battle will not be the might. It will be the love. And the reason we're the soldiers of the light is we have the heart. What do you think angels don't have heart? In fact, before this age, there was another age, and in that age, there was an angelic battle where the angels tried to take over the kingdom. Lucifer was the chief angel, and he tried to take over God's kingdom. He tried to coup and take over, and there was a battle that happened, and angels were made to be almost, but not quite us, because they have not the heart. They're just created, but we are the children. And so that battle hasn't ended. That's why this battle happens. That's why we're caught in this chaos of a battle between light and darkness. But God is working out a great miracle. And this great miracle is seen when Jesus rose again. He said he raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. But not to just everybody, but to those who were chosen. Now, I'm an Armenian and my teachings of theology. I'm not uh, those that are predestinarian, but I am veering towards predestinarian thought and some of this, and you that are Calvinist or Baptist or Presbyterians will say the preachers finally figured it out. What I'm starting to realize is that God's got this thing all worked out, and no matter how much we try to mess it up, God's going to win. God is going to win. God's got you in his plan, and he's not going to let you mess up so much. Oh, he may let you veer a little bit, go a little bit here, go a little bit there. You may have a little bit of freedom to do this or that. But when it comes to the final moment, he will make sure you belong to him. He's giving you every opportunity. And to us who are chosen by God as witnesses, that God has made it possible that we are living our lives the way we're supposed to. So how do we look at this world that is so broken and so mixed up and so chaotic? How do we look on it as somehow they're bad and we're good? We don't see it through those lenses and those eyes as this book is trying to show us. We see it through grace and understand there but for the grace of God go I. There but for the grace of God go I. And we should understand that that poor soul is going to end up in that other army and we're going to face them again one day, but we'll have the upper hand in that day. It won't be this day when we sometimes wonder if there's justice in this land, justice in this world. And that day we'll have the upper arm, we'll have the higher road, we'll have love on our side and we'll have Jesus there commanding the army along with the angels who have not fallen and we'll be the children of the light who will come in and face this great darkness. I am describing things that John saw on an island here. 
Understand, this isn't just a random idea. This is the theology of hope that God has given to us. And he said, And he who has ate and drank with us after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as the judge of the living and the dead. Sisters and brothers, it's such a beautiful thought to know that when we face our judgment and we go to St. Peter, it's not a golden ticket that's going to get us in. That we're going to walk up to St. Peter and St. Peter is going to look at us and that kingdom is going to be there and it's the kingdom of light, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of hope. And Jesus is just going to step right in front of us. And Jesus is going to say, this one belongs to me. Let them in. And Peter's going to say, you can come on in. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. See, in this scripture, the judgment will not be that we are judged for lost, but we are judged for found. And all the prophets, they testify about this. And everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's a whole chapter on forgiveness in the book. It's a hard chapter because it helps us to understand that the only way we can ever reach a point of forgiveness in our life is to realize that we also need to be forgiven. I don't know about you, but there's always been those that I considered hard to forgive for what they've done wrong or some spite. And I come by it through my mama's side real bad. I just, I, she was bad about it. If you crossed her, she, she would remember. It may take four years, but then one day you get walked right side the head. And she said, remember? And I know, and she'd tell you. She didn't forget. Some of you are that way, by the way. I have to be very careful. Some of you haven't forgotten you or not. And I have a little way of that. Well, God, he not only forgives, but he forgets. And the reason he forgets is because Jesus has said, I love this one. This one belongs to me. We believe in him. We receive forgiveness of sins through his name. I can't believe it's 2020, 2020. How are you guys saying it? Is it 2020 or 2020? I'm still thinking it's like 1984 or 1981. <laughs> Seriously, I am. The way I dress my hair, the way I conduct myself. What is this YouTube thing? What is that? What is, what is this internet thing? What, what is going on with that? You mean people can actually, their cars can talk to them? What is going on with that? I, I mean... The world is just, I don't know what is going on. See, no matter where we are, God is there with us. And Peter is saying to the people, you need to hear this good news, that God is there with you, no matter where you are. So as we go through this year together, and good things will happen and bad things will happen. There will be storms. There will be floods. There will be earthquakes. Now, I'm not predicting anything you know, Spring Hill. I'm just saying all these things are happening and will happen. There will be wars and rumors of war. There will be sorrow and there will be light. In the midst of all that, service must go on. And the same way that day after they took him away in the ambulance, 
And the people started going back to the seats. And they looked at me and one of the people on the stage said, Jerome, are you still going to preach? And I said, man, I just started. And I preached. And 3,000 people were mesmerized. I don't know if they were stunned. I don't know if they had gone to sleep. I don't know what happened. But I know when I finished preaching, they all were just all worked up. And South Carolina was ready to go change the world. And Miss Dr. Evelyn Laycock, the great laity leader up at Lake Junaluska who had scheduled that opportunity for me, she told me afterwards when I got back to the office, she sent a note and said, Jerome, I don't know what you did, but you really just revitalized the whole conference. And I said, I hope I didn't do anything bad. She said, no, you must have done something good. And I said, what I did good was I allowed God to work through little old me to be his agent of love. What is God doing for us? Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may grow in this grace and know that you are at work in our lives. Sometimes we find ourselves in difficult situations, O oh Lord, but your gospel, your sermon from Peter gives us hope. Lord, help us to know that in this battle that we are to fight, this battle between the light and the darkness, love will find the way. Lord, let us know that love will win the day in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.